0: Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, I pray. My humble prayer now is, as always, that it would be all of you and none of me. That you would increase as I decrease. The words of my mouth and meditation of my heart would be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. In Jesus' name. Um, so if you were with us last week, you know that we started a new series in the second of only two books in the Bible that are named after women. We wrapped up with Esther the week before on Father's Day, and last week we started a series in the book of Ruth, and we entitled the series, The Best is Yet to Come so I pray that uh, you were along with us last week so that I won't have to bring you too much up to speed. I will do some review and some recap, but hopefully you were with us and you heard last week's message and you are already on on board with where we're going this morning. And so we were in Ruth chapter 1 on last week and we talked about uh, from the series The Best is Yet to Come. Part one of that, we said no matter what happens, don't, somebody finish that, go to Moab. No matter what happens, don't go to Moab. You don't want That's not a place you want to go to, <laughs> all right? And so we did that last week in chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 of the book of Ruth. And so today, we'll cover Ruth chapter 1, verses 6 through 22, through the end of chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, uh, if you're joining us online, uh, pray that you'd get your Bibles out. If you're here in the, in the sanctuary with us, pray that you'd follow along in your Bible or on the screen. Uh, We will pick it up in Ruth chapter 1, beginning at verse 6, and here is how it reads. I'll read all the way through until the end of chapter 1. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. And they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Uh, Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait And when, he, when, when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And, they came to Be- and when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. From this passage today, as we continue the series in Ruth from this passage today, I want to lift this theme. There is no place like home. There is no place like home. You know, this statement, this statement, there's no place like home. It it, it's a very true statement. It's very true, there's no place like home, KB. It's true because we, many of us have heard through the years this phrase, home is where the heart is. We've heard that. So there is, there's no place like home. It's true because home for many is a place uh, we associate with familiarity, with love, a safe place, a place of origin that may not be the case for some but for most of us that's how we relate to home home is all of those things this phrase means to have an affinity for one's home over any other place it's to say that home is the best place it's to say that home is beyond compare there's no comparison home it's one of the reasons why I'm here because I left here many moons ago Bob saying I'd never come back but as life went on and the hair got grayer and things happened I said you know what there's no place like home and so uh, as fate would have it the Lord led me and my family back home because home is where the heart is there's no place like home you'll recall that it's the famous line repeated three times by Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. You remember that? When after being whisked away from Kansas by a cyclone along with her dog, Toto, y'all remember Toto, she finds herself in the fantasy land of Oz, where she meets the scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Cowardly Lion. Y'all remember the story? For Dorothy, Oz, is a pretty neat place it's a fantasy land it is a pretty neat place uh there's one thing though it's not home it's pretty neat place but it's not home she wants to return home to auntie m and uncle henry So she sets out on a quest down the yellow brick road to the Emerald City along with the scarecrow who wishes he had brains and the tin man who longs for a heart and the cowardly lion who seeks courage. They set out on this journey to the Emerald City to find the wizard who hopefully will help her get home. That's the idea. Uh, Once they arrive, though, after many trials, after many obstacles along the way, they realize that the wizard can't help them. And Dorothy ends up seeking help from Gilda, the witch of the South. Gilda tells Dorothy how to use the ruby shoes that she was given to take her back home to Kansas. Dorothy gathers up Toto, clicks her heels together three times and says those all now too familiar words, There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Then she is immediately transported back to the farm in Kansas diana ross captures the essence of this moment with her song when i think of home from the 1978 adaptation of the wizard of oz entitled the Wiz*. maybe y'all saw the movie maybe y'all saw the movie maybe you've heard the song Here, here's what it says diana ross says this when i think of home i think of a place where there is love overflowing i wish i was home she says i wish i was back there where Things I've been knowing, wind that makes the tall trees bend into leaning. Suddenly, the snowflakes that fall have a meaning sprinkling the scene makes it all clean. Diana Ross goes on to say, maybe there's a chance for me to go back there now that I have some direction. It would sure be nice to be back home where there's love and affection. And just maybe I can convince time to slow up, giving me enough time in my life to grow up, time to be my friend. Let me start again, she says, talking about home. And then she goes on to say, suddenly my world has changed its face, but I still know where I'm going. I have had my mind spun around in space and yet I've watched it growing if you're listening, God, please don't make it hard to know if we should believe in the things that we see. Tell us, should we run away? Should we try and stay? Or would it be better to just let things be? Living here in this brand new world, maybe a fantasy, but it taught me to love. So it's real, real to me. And I've learned that we must look inside our hearts to find a wonderful, World of full of love like yours, like me, like home. That's her, that's her idea of what it is to think about home. Because home is where the heart is, and there's no place like home. Well, maybe you're not familiar with Diana Ross, maybe you're more familiar with Elvis Presley. Somebody said, uh-huh, I heard that. So, so, so Elvis has his thoughts on this idea as well in his song that he sung entitled There's No Place Like Home. Here's what Elvis says: There's no place like, ho- like home. Well, I say now home, home, sweet home. There's no place like home. Wherever you wander, there's no place like home. Well, I used to have a sweetheart to walk and talk with me. But now I have no sweetheart. What pleasure do I see? There's no place like home. Well, I say now home, home sweet home. There's no place like home. Wherever you wander, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. It's it's, it's familiar to the story I just read to you. In our text, Naomi had to be feeling just a bit like Dorothy. She too had been whisked away, not to Oz by a cyclone, but to Moab by her husband Elimelech. She had to be thinking there's no place like home, especially given the turn of events in her life. So just to recap, let's talk about what brought us to where we are today. You'll recall that we met Elimelech and his family uh, last week, Naomi, his wife, and his two sons, Mylon and Kalion. They lived in Bethlehem, Judah. Bethlehem was home and it represented the place where God wanted them. His will, the center of his will, it's what it represented. It was the house of bread. I told you last week that that's what the name Bethlehem means, the house of bread. It was the house of bread and it was Judah, the place of praise. It was the house of bread and the place of praise. But they left and sojourned into Moab, God's washpot. They did it because of a famine in Bethlehem there was a famine in the land and they decided to leave and sojourn into Moab not long after they arrive Elimelech dies and the two sons marry Moabite women one named Orpah and one named Ruth Last week, we looked at Elimelech's circumstances. We looked at Elimelech's choices. And lastly, last week, we looked at Elimelech's consequences. Today, we'll continue that thing and examine those same three things for Orpah, Ruth, and Naomi. So first, let's look at circumstances, right? Let's look at that. Let's look at circumstances. We can see the current circumstances in verses 5 and 6. We didn't read verse five earlier. Let's read it now. Verse five says this of chapter one. Here's what it says. And both Mylon and Kalion died so that the the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. That's a difficult situation. Uh, It is an intensified crisis. This is, this is partly their circumstance Uh, it is the it is a crisis that has been intensified by the fact that these men have died and so it is a present without men and a future seemingly without hope it's what it's what it seemed like to them a present without the men and a future without hope because the men were a significant part of the family and if there were no men it meant that there was likely going to be no hope. Naomi had now accumulated a great load of personal grief by now. Her husband and her only sons had died before their time. She was a stranger in a foreign land. These were her circumstances, right? She's a stranger in a foreign land. All the men in her life have died as a result of Elimelech leading his family from the house of bread and the place of praise to God's washpot. If the family name were to carry on, there had to be an heir. But having no sons, Naomi was left without hope, she thought. Her Moabitess daughters-in-law offered no apparent means for an heir because they could not provide one. So it seemed that it was a hopeless situation. But then in verse 6, the circumstances get better. Because in the middle of verse 6, it picks up this way. It says this, Uh, There was some good news, by the way, in the middle of verse six, because in in the middle of verse six, here's what it says. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food she got some good news. So it changes her circumstances. Her circumstances seemed hopeless, but then she gets some good news. She hears something. She hears that the Lord had visited the people back in Bethlehem and where there was no bread, now there's bread. Where there was no praise, there's now praise. Naomi learned that rain had came to her homeland. She begins to think again, as she probably has already been thinking over the course of the last 10 years, there is no place like home. The famine was ended as God had provided food for the people back in Bethlehem. So that was the circumstances. The circumstances had shifted. There there, There had been a change. It didn't seem like there was any hope. And now good news comes So what then is the response to the circumstances? We looked at it last week talking about Elimelech. He had circumstances that were not favorable. He made bad choices that ended up costing him, causing uh, difficult and negative consequences. Uh, So let's look at now what choices do these three women make? The responses of Naomi and her daughters-in-law. Sometimes the choice It's not between right and wrong, but between good and better. this case, it was between right and wrong. It was not between good and better. It was between bad and good. It It was between being outside of the will of God and getting back in line with the will of God. Yet any choice we make will be the right one if made with these words in mind, the words that Jesus speaks in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, when he says, But seek ye first. If you begin your choices with that, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If every choice you make begins with that thought, then it will always be the right one but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will take care of itself. And so then in verses six and seven, we see Naomi's, let's start with her. We see her choices in verses six and seven. Verses six and seven, she decides and chooses to return. Let's look at verse six again. Then I, I started in the middle of the verse a minute ago. Let's start at the beginning of it now. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. Moab, that was her choice. She, she chose to return. Look at what happens in verse seven. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Here's her, her choice. So she makes a decision to return, right? That's important for us to know that the possibility exists for no matter whatever, how how difficult, how bad of a decision, a choice we've made, the possibility exists always for us to return always for us to repent, always for us to get back in line with God's will. The possibility exists always because we serve a God who is loving and forgiving and will always make a way. If you don't believe it, we can look at just the story of how he made a way for all of us who were separated from him, that we could return to him. How did he do it? He did it by giving us what? His only begotten son. So that he would hang on a cross so that we could return. Those of us that were separated, and that's everybody, could return to him. Naomi decides and chooses to return. I love this word return here in this text. It's the Hebrew word shub. Everybody say shub. It's the Hebrew word shub, and it it, it means to go back, to turn back, to return again, or to refresh It's the same word we see in other places In Scripture, as an example, in Zechariah chapter 1, verse 3, the word says this, Therefore, say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. In Malachi 3, 7, the word of the Lord says this, From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, shove to me, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. And then in Jeremiah 15, 19, the word of the Lord says this, therefore, says the the Lord, if you return, I will restore you, and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall as my you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. It is important. In fact, it's so important, it's really the theme of the passage I just read to you at the end of Ruth chapter 1. That entire passage, and all of 17 of those verses, here's the theme that runs throughout it return. Theme is return. In fact, it's, it, it, it's spoken 10 times in these 17 verses, this word return. It is important. So, Naomi decides her choice as a result of her circumstances, is to return to God's place, return home, that place that she so desperately wants to go to. And so then, if we see Naomi's choice, let's look at the next person, Orpah. What does she decide to do? It's in verse 14. Verse 14 says this, then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. And I submit to you because we know how the story progresses from here that this was a goodbye kiss. She kissed her. She chooses not to return. She chooses to stay, right? She she makes a a difficult choice. After some persuasion from Naomi, she decides to stay. Orpah almost became great She was on the verge of becoming great. She she argued with Naomi. She, 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 She put up a fight, but Naomi finally convinced her to stay in Moab, and she misses her opportunity to be great. She couldn't hold on. Orpah had the potential for greatness. She almost gave up her entire past and homeland to embrace a new religion. She was willing to give her all for her beliefs to follow Naomi, no matter what the cost initially. She clearly had the seeds of greatness within her. They were there and they almost came out, but she didn't do it. She backed down. And as a result, we never hear from Orpah again. Now, if you mess up her name, you might think you heard from her again. <laughs> if you switch some letters, you might think, well, that's, that's Oprah. No, that's not Oprah. That's Orpah. <laughs> we never hear from Orpah again because she misses her opportunity for greatness because she decides at the encouragement, by the way, again, of Naomi, to stay in Moab. So that's her choice, right? That's her decision. What does Ruth decide? Ruth's decision is covered in verses 14 through 18. 14 through 18, I'm gonna read 14 again. Here's what it says. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother a goodbye kiss. But Ruth clung to her, and she said, see your sister-in-law this is Naomi talking to Ruth, has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. She tries to convince Ruth to do the same as Orpah has done. But Ruth said, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. When you die, I will die, and there will, there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. This is Ruth's decision, what she chooses. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped talking. <laughs> she just stopped talking. This lady is bound and determined. To go with me. So if Naomi decides to return and Orpah decides to stay, then Ruth determines and decides and chooses to follow. She makes a decision. She is determined. She makes a decision to follow. She makes a decision not just to follow Naomi, but as we just read, she makes a conscious decision to also follow and commit herself to Naomi's God. Woman from Moab, a Moabitess who has been raised up uh, with pagan gods, believing in them and looking for them and trusting in them. She sees something in Naomi that she decides that this life is the life that I want for myself. And so she decides to not stay, but to follow. Ruth had endured three entreaties of her mother-in-law to return home to Moab she tries to convince her from verses 11 to verse 15 she tries to convince her but she chose life with Naomi over family over her natural identity national identity her religious idolatry she chooses Naomi and Naomi's God over all these things and one of the most beautiful expressions of commitment in all the world's literature she laced her future to that of Naomi She confessed allegiance to the people of Israel. She says, your people will be my people. She she abandons her Moabite heritage. She professes her allegiance to the people of Israel. And not only to the people of Israel, but to the God of Israel. Because she says, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Here was... A stirring example of a complete break with the past. She decides to follow break with the past. Like Abraham, Ruth decided to leave her ancestors' idolatrous land to go to the land of promise. And Ruth did it without the encouragement of a promise. She doesn't have anything that's been promised to her. She just decides to abandon everything and follow Naomi and Naomi's God. In fact, she made her decision despite Naomi's strenuous encouragement to do otherwise. She is committed to it. Ruth's decision was so strong that it included reference, a reference to death and burial. That's how committed she was. She would stay with Naomi to death and beyond to seal the quality of her decision. Ruth invoked judgment from Israel's God if she were to break her commitment of loyalty to her mother-in-law. Ruth's conversion was complete, we see here. And if we examine the rest of the remainder of her life, we realize and we accept the fact that she was converted right here. She makes this decision. So we have looked at the circumstances. We have have looked at the choices of these three women and what they decided to do as a result of the circumstances. Uh, uh, Orpah almost became great. But she didn't. Naomi decides to return home to the place where God wanted her. And Ruth decides and determines that I'm going to follow you. Right? That's the reason why we have to be so careful about what we do and say, about how we live our lives, about the example that we leave for others, about how we represent Christ in the world, because there are some Ruths out there watching you. They have a desire for something better. But if they don't see anything better in you, then they'll never leave what they need to leave behind in order to follow not just you and me, but the God we serve. So we have to be conscious of that. So then we've looked at uh, the circumstances and the choices. Let's lastly look at the consequences. Consequences, by the way, let me just give you a heads up. are going to be a little bit different than Elimelech's. Elimelech's consequences were all negative. This story will end a little bit different. In verses 19 through 21, first consequence is this, a bitter past. Let's talk about it. Verses 19 through 21. Here's what it says. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? So said to them, do not, she said to them, rather, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Naomi looks back. She looks back at negative consequences that have impacted her life. She looks back at the negative consequences that are a result of her husband's choice to move the family from Bethlehem to Moab. And she stated that her name, Naomi, she she states that Naomi is no longer her name because she's not feeling like a Naomi right now. Because she's reflecting on the past and the bitter consequences that she has had to suffer. Her name means sweetness and pleasantness, but she wasn't feeling very sweet or pleasant. It was, she thought, not ideal for her current situation and condition. She said, rather than Naomi, she should be called Mara, which means bitter. Her reason was that the almighty, she believed, had dealt bitterly with her because of where they had been and what they had done and how Elimelech had led them there. And she feels forsaken. Her husband has died. Her sons have died. There is no one to carry on the family line there. They are left alone and she is feeling hopeless and bitter. Not at God, but because of she feels like what God, how God has judged her. She feels like situation is bad. And so she looks at the consequences. She looks back at her bitter past. But then as we prepare to close out the story of this first part of Ruth, the consequences shift from negative to positive because you do know that there can be both. There can be negative consequences for choices, and there can also be positive consequences for choices. It's in verse 22. Here's what verse 22 says. So Naomi and Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. This symbolizes and signifies a new beginning. There's a new beginning that happens as a result of what's said in verse 22, a new beginning. Here's what verse 22 says. It was the beginning of barley harvest. This points forward to positive consequences, not negative consequences and a bitter past. Their arrival was at the beginning of the barley harvest. It sets the stage for the events that will begin to take place in chapter 2 sets the stage uh it, it it sets the stage for the beginning of a new life for both naomi and ruth they are home now they have made it home although ruth had never been to bethlehem she was a moabitess she still is, is, is considered to have returned to have turned to the Lord now they are home and they recognize and realize now that there actually is no place like home they have made it home and when we get to chapter 2 the story will continue to shift and we will see indeed in fact that the best for them is yet to come because she's going to meet a man by the name of Boaz who's going to end up being her kinsman redeemer and he's going to redeem her, and the story of Ruth is all about redemption. It gets better from here. The best is yet to come. And every time I think about redemption, and every time I think the thought that the best is yet to come, I can't help but think about Jesus. I can't help but think about how he paid the price for you and for me to redeem us, to buy us back, to to pay for the penalty for our sins that we might now be reconciled to God. And because of that, best is yet to come because of what Jesus did for us and because of how Boaz is a type. Of Jesus for Ruth, she can say with us, there's no place like home and the best is yet to come.